All right, everyone. This is Nicole and it's Cabri. And we are back. This is Natural and Naked. And we are so excited because we got Omari on the show today. So we can talk about this trending, hot, important uh, this topic. Um, before we get into the into our uh, conversation, um, I did want to first thank you, Amari, for coming on to the show. Thank you for taking some time to talk to us and um, shed some more light on uh, this topic of mater maternal mortality in Black women. Um, I actually was on my way to a family reunion in the car. I was driving four hours, and I turned your documentary on. And oh, like, okay, wow. <laughs> And so I'm watching it and I start like crying. My husband's like, what is wrong with you? You got your headphones in. Because yeah. I can relate to it so much, just that experience. So I was like, yeah, I got to get him on. So I shoot it for the stars. And I was like, I'm going to send him a message. And we're going to see what happens. <laughs> so here we are. So can you please introduce yourself and also give, um, give your... I guess the story, give us a snippet of the story for the people who may not have had a chance to watch the documentary. Uh, yeah, of course. So first of all, again, just thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the shot in the dark. You know, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to share um, our story, especially with people who, you know, need to hear it and understand it and have a, a connection to, you know, what these issues are as, as, a, as a family, right? Um, so just thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love the title. Um, Natural and Naked is so it's so real because of the fact that, you know, vulner to me, vulnerability, like I hear vulnerability. I hear, mm -hmm. you know, um, exposure. I hear the need to be, um, you know, open. Yeah. Right. So like all of those things are, are what I'm trying to be as I move forward just in life in general, man. So just appreciate the, what you guys are providing, you know, in this space, you know? So with that, with that said, um, you know, Aftershock, you know, Aftershock is super dope. It is streaming on Hulu right now. So please go and watch it. If you don't have Hulu, ask a friend to borrow their account. You got to make sure <laughs> that you watch it though, because it, it is very, it's a very, very powerful mm -hmm. film. And um, it's essentially, the film is about the maternal mortality, the maternal morbidity crisis that we are having within the United States in our uh, BIPOC community. But it is many other things as well. It's a very layered film. It is about you know, how we turn our pain into power. It is about how we use grief and low vibrational energy in order to create something new and stronger. It is about self-reflection, self-awareness. It's about partnership. It's about leadership it's about you know a brotherhood it's about um how fathers and families you know move on after or move through life after their partner passes away um it is all these things you know and um it's about the history of you know of maternal mortality and how we got here in terms of our power being taken away from the from the medical system and white supremacy. And when I say our power, I mean our power to deliver our babies through midwifery and doulaship 
um, and black women being the stakeholders in those spaces and then it turning into um, white men and, you know, and gynecologists um, taking that and turning it into like a textbook type of you know, system and where we're using hospitals and surgery in order to deliver babies as opposed to the human element and, you know, our black powerness to, to create pathways for our babies. Um, and then on top of that, what that means for the black family and, and how it's really broken down or is a conduit or a piece that has broken down our family structure between the mother, the child, the mother, the father, the father, the children, and again, the whole familial unit and then community and then society. Um, so it is a mouthful, I said a lot, but that is essentially what the film is and, and what we're trying to bring to the world. And it's so amazing that now we have these spaces to tell these stories because we as people have been dealing with so much trauma for so long, we don't even, understand how much we're carrying, right? And yeah. this film essentially provides that first part of being able to be accepting of our trauma so that we can like break it down, identify it, and then see how we can move on. All right, amazing. I'm, I am at a loss for words. I So one, to address what you said in the beginning about like our platform, this is literally the reason why we created Natural and Naked and the reason why we named it that. For transparency, to have these tough conversations, to reveal information that might not be known to other people. But this documentary garnered so many different emotions and so many different feelings and thoughts. If when people do watch it, if they don't take anything away from it, but this one thing, and it's to speak up and be very adamant, making the doctors listen, you know, making other people listen who are in positions to, you know, that require them to help us. So I commend you for going on this journey, for taking your brothers with you, for taking the community with you. Whatever work needs to be done, you have our full support. Continue to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Nicole. Yes, the floor is yours. <laughs> All righty. So I'm I'm pretty sure that you've been getting an abundance of support and awareness. Uh, I've been watching you like since the day that it aired. So tell us about like the support that you've been getting. Um. Yeah. So I mean, the support for me to be able to even do this work, like I say this a lot. Um, the only way I can do it is because of you know the family. The crew, the you know, blood and you know, related through spirituality, um, community is the only way that is possible. Of after the moment after Shamani passed, like the amount of people that just reached out, friends that I had, people that I didn't know, you know, it was it was overwhelming. And I mean, like when I say reached out, you know, we're talk. I'm talking about you know, from when she passed months, even like a year after, like people just still asking for support, asking how I'm feeling, you know, providing like gift cards and just stuff for the kids and like, you know, just all types of, of things, being able to, and, and the support looking different based off of who they were, right? So like I said, some was monetary support, some was spiritual support in the community. We already had grief counselors and therapists, so I had people to talk to, 
you know, and, and really sit down and, and have real conversation with um, that friends that offered, you know, to work to to work out with and, you know, provide the spiritual, excuse me, the physical support that I needed in order to, you know, be able to be fortified in a way to to take care of my children by myself and just be of sound minds, right, and body. Um, so, you know, it came in all type of ways, but it came strongly. And the reason why, you know, it was so I'm so grateful for it because when I talk to men, specifically men who've lost their partner, you know, a, a lot that I hear is that, you know, nobody is, was there for them. Like, you know, people came to the funeral and paid their respects and, you know, did the, I'm sorry for your loss. And then, you know, the, the next week it was like, you know, them kind of trying to fend for themselves with these. Everybody going back to their normal lives. Exactly. You know, and leaving them with, you know, the trauma, the grief and with the newborn baby and, trying to figure out their new stage in life, you know? So I'm forever grateful for, you know, my family and support. And that is one reason why, you know, like I'm, I'm adamant and it really pushes me forward to figure out ways to provide men the same experience that I have, even though, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate one. Yeah. So how, how are the babies? I know it's a, it's a full-time job and yeah single dad like the brotherhood that was created i'm sure you know y'all are supporting each other but how is that like the single dad part of everything now yes it's hard you know nobody signs up for being a single parent mother or father like it's not the that's not the thing that you want you know but um you know it, it's it's it is a life-changing experience it's taught me a lot it is Again, also a trauma that I'm trying to work through as well in, in terms of, you know, how I emote and how I, you know, talk to my children and, and get what I need from them and also, you know, do it in a way that, you know, is is works for me. Um, but regardless, like all of those things are processes and things that I'm learning on the fly. The kids are great, though. Like, they're fine. Like, they're doing well. Um, my daughter started kindergarten, so she's at a new school now. And my son is going to daycare, and he'll be in pre-K. His third birthday is next week, next, this, not even next week, this Friday. You know, so he'll be three. Um, and, you know, they're doing great. Like, they're learning and growing and supporting each other and supporting me in ways that I've never could have imagined. And, um, you know, for that piece, fatherhood is, is awesome, you know. Um, but, again, you know, it does, like, it is bittersweet and watching them grow and develop and, and becoming their own individual people and not having their mother to also experience that with them. It gets, it gets tough sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. I can imagine how tough it, it would be um, speaking from a single parent's standpoint and having to figure things out because we never in life plan to do things alone, especially do life alone with someone. Um, so it's amazing to hear that the kids are adjusting to life um, without their mom properly and appropriately, especially with the support of, of you being the strong black man that they need to see for them and for the community. Mm -hmm. um, but would it be fair to say that the increase in maternal mortality for colored women, brown women, um, poor or just in the wrong state be a factor for racism in America? 
Yeah, of course, you know, and the film speaks about this just too as well in terms of the systems that have been in place since black people have touched this land. You know, like we are the builders of everything that you see here. And, you know, with that said, we're also the ones who have been stigmatized the most because of the fact that we are and have always been looked at and from a white perspective, the um, the leaders of this creation, right? And when I say that, I mean like the forced creation, right? We didn't necessarily want to be here. We didn't want to create these spaces. We were put in place to do that. And, you know, they're these systems have been put in place in order to keep us in that type of, you know, perspective. So, you know, for a black family, a black woman going into a hospital um, isn't always the best scenario because from the the guidance or the, you know, the, the process that they get from a nurse or a doctor and their own stigmas and stereotypes that they bring to the table alongside with even you know, the tools that are used in order to identify whether a woman should have a C-section or a natural birth, they all are rooted in, you know, these stereotypes. Like, and when I say that, I mean, like, and they talk about it in the film, is there are tools that doctors use in order to rate if a woman needs a C-section. And, like, these tools are, like, the numbers are, are skewed in terms of what a Black woman is supposed to get and compared to their white counterparts, right? And when I say that, like they'll put the information into a computer system and it'll tell you like based off of the age yeah. of this woman, the race of this woman, you know, then they will need a C-section. It doesn't matter what the woman herself brings to the table in terms of her physical needs. If you just put the numbers in the computer, it'll tell you. And based off of that, doctors are than providing, you know, space for women to have operations that they don't necessarily need at all. And it is, it's a sad situation, but it's so important to have the support, right? To have a woman, excuse me, a midwife, a doula, family um, alongside you when you're going into, you know, the hospital to, to make sure that there's somebody who is also being able to champion you and speak up and, and provide information that you may not necessarily know yourself. Yeah, I found it very interesting in the documentary when they were talking about putting the women's information into the systems and it generates an answer for mm -hmm. the C-section. And it's simply a yes or no. But then the hospital itself receives essentially a kickback for performing the surgery. And it's $50,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bananas. It's, it's, and, and this is why, so it's, it's so much, so layered. And this is why it's so important to know that you have birthing options. You know, uh, I wouldn't know this, of course, unless, you know, I was put in this situation and, ha and had to learn it, but, and understand what's really going on. But, you know, when you go to a hospital, in order to, if you have a natural birth, it'll take, you know, between eight to 12 hours and you'll, it costs about $15,000. But if you're going in for a C-section, it's a scheduled time. They can bring you whenever they need to bring you in. It's about a 45 minute process and you get paid double basically. You know, so it's just to have a C-section is so incentivized on a monetary level. And then also just on, you know, the um, skill level, it allows for 
younger practitioners, younger doctors, people who are learning to provoke, to um, perform like the sewing or whatever um, things that are required from a, from a surgical perspective in order in practicing on our black women's bodies to do so. You know, so like there's just so many different incentives that are baked into having women have a C-section as opposed to a natural birth that is, you know, it's really, it's disgusting. Yeah, we have a, um, I'm not gonna say the name of the hospital, but I I had an, I had, uh, an experience at the hospital that I gave birth to my children, all three of my children, but I have a family member who chose a different hospital and that was a teaching hospital. So mm -hmm. they had, she always had different doctors, she always had different residents that were coming in and working on her and things like that, you know, and she also had medical assistance. And, you know, I had regular insurance. Our experience was completely different. Yeah. And I, like me and my husband, like I was young when we had our first child, but I knew something wasn't right when I went in to have my son <laughs> and after we had him and everything, they came in and they were like, okay, well, through medical medical assistance, this is what you got to do. You need to fill out this paperwork. Are you guys uh, together or what's your plan? Do you have a job? And I'm sitting there and at the time my mom had went to do whatever and um, Terrence, he went to do whatever he was doing. And I was just like, why does this matter? And so I was, naturally, I was just like, well, first of all, we have regular insurance. I was like, we're both in school. You know, I, my child is being taken care of. And mm -hmm. you know, the lady just, you know, she left. I was like, okay. But my family member, uh, they gave the baby, she told, like, she, we, we talked about, and this is the part that makes it emotional for me. She told me about the different medicines, like, that they gave the child. And I was like, well, why did they give him all those different things, like, I didn't, my child didn't get that. And mm -hmm. she told me that's what he had to get. But we fast forward a few years and I'm, the pediatrician that I had growing up is the same that my children had. My one day we're sitting in her office, bare, brand new baby. And she's like, oh no, this isn't, you guys don't want this vaccine. You don't want these. Let me give you the right one. Mm -hmm. Like what? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. like for people who are on medical assistance mm -hmm. so from there I'm like so what are you what is what is the government mm -hmm. giving to these children these mothers who are on assistance versus people who have regular insurance I was like that right there is scary and then when I look at our children now our children on a lot or on a lot of different medications. Mine aren't. And I'm like, mm -hmm. do I have anything to do with like what's being put in them? You know what? That's that's really scary to me. It, it really I'm, is. Mm -hmm. I'm no, I was just saying it really is scary, you know, and it's it's sad that they're essentially experimenting on our children and on, <laughs> on our and on our mothers. And, um, you know, that is exactly what we're trying to expose. That is exactly what we're trying to change. And, you know, it only happens when people have the, the right information, right? And, and know that they have a circle of people who will support um, and then also to, to communicate with. Right. Um, 
but it's it's sad, man. It's, it's, it's and it's crazy. It really is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It is <laughs> extremely unfortunate how you can look at pregnancy as a whole, and there should be, you know, kind of like a streamlined process based off of, you know, each individual's situation. Nicole, your family member, um, along with myself, delivered at a teaching hospital, but I declined any services from a student. You could observe, but you cannot, do not touch me. Touch me. Yeah, well, one, that's, you know, my first child. It, this is already a scary process. You know, yeah. you're carrying life. You're about to bring life into this world. You don't know what to expect. These students don't know either. So we both yeah. can't be in here just blind and oblivious. Let uh -huh. me be that person and then let the doctor tell me what I need to do. Uh -huh. And even down to like in the in the um, documentary, when you looked at, like for instance, Shamani, say it, Shimani. Shimani. When you looked at the, when you talked about what she was feeling, like after having a baby, it's like they, they push you out these hospitals so fast that it's like, oh, you're good to go. Bye. It's so much that happens within us. Like, that is the biggest, like, closest to death experience that a woman can have. So mm -hmm. to just send me home so fast. So sending her home, I saw, you know, you guys talked about all the things she was experiencing. And it's kind of like they just kind of brushed it to the side. Like, oh, it's normal. No, yeah. it's normal. Like, you know, and being, I don't know, first-time parents or second-time parents, every experience is different. And it's when stuff like that happens, like it's like you got to go to the hospital. Nothing is too small. I don't care if I hit my foot on the door and now I got a headache. I'm going to the hospital because mm -hmm. I'm like, I get so nervous about whatever, whatever it is. I just get nervous. But um, I, I just I just don't understand how we continue. It's modern day slavery. I feel like we are continuing be used as like just even yeah. now, you go back to the hospital and say oh something is wrong you're still using me as a test dummy <laughs> because it's like well we thought you were okay but you're not oh well and you know that's it um but so i did want to speak i did want to hear your thoughts more on the modern slavery part because the documentary took us back to and we I think we forget these things but it took us back to how black women and men were treated during slavery time and the doctors and things like that so can, we, can you speak a little bit more on that part of the um, documentary um yeah definitely and like I said you know it stems from the systems that were created for our people, people of color, you know, it was created for us to, to work and produce children and get right back to working, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. So like in, in the documentary, we speak about how the origins of, of gynecology and um, Dr. Marion, Smith, I think is his name, is the father of gynecology. And essentially he uses black women as, as guinea pigs. So he would perform these operations on women um, and then basically so he can learn how to sew, sew women back in and understand like the, the systems of how the uterus works and, and how 
you know, women deliver the, our babies. And essentially, again, he's practicing on women and documenting, documenting his practices. And this is where um, the understanding that or the thought was that black women don't feel the same as white women or any other women and that we can endure more pain. And because he's literally, you know, cutting women open and, and sewing them back together, regardless of how much they scream, regardless of what they're telling him, he's doing it because he he's again, using us as guinea pigs to learn. And I mean, just with that said, you know, that is enough to, to, to really kind of have an understanding or at least a better understanding of what the system is built off of now. If this is what the system, this is what the foundation of medicine is, then you can only begin to imagine how they are using and treating our black and brown bodies. And it's not as overt as, you know, outright, you know, discrimination and racism that we used to experience, it is um, undercoded and, and, and shown up through Medicaid. You know, it is shown through, you know, support and EBT, all these systems in order to really have us identify who we are, put all our information in, show us that this is what we're getting, but at the same time, giving us services, one, that we don't need things that shouldn't be in our body, things that are not going to be beneficial for the fortification of our children specifically or our families. And then also a way that ties us into being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Being dependent on somebody else, somebody specifically that has no care on, on how we are, what we're doing and what we're experiencing. Right. So this is why even with Medicaid, right, it's so important that once you're in, it's pretty much tied in for life. It's why with EBT, once you're in, you got to keep putting in the application in order to get the money. You know, and, and then we look at it as the kickbacks that we're getting or we're getting free, you know, food and we're getting um, we're able to write our children off and write these things off on taxes. But this is how they're providing you these little, little things in order for you to not necessarily use your own, not, not necessarily use your own brain, but not getting you to uh, figure out a way to get out of these systems and grow as a community the way we need to be supporting each other, right? Okay. And what they, once we kind of start really getting down to understanding these small things, then we can really create some change. But again, it is rooted within America. You know, this is like the foundation of America. So we're, 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 it's a heavy task. It's a heavy lift, but, you know, foundations like this, being able to communicate, you know, the way we're communicating, being able to disseminate information to people who are really want to listen and really are looking to, you know, change it and, and find their own tribe is so important. You know, this is why that, you know, this again, this is, a, so I say back to, come back to the beginning of why I feel like platforms like this is so powerful and so important because we need to find a way to really be able to touch in and feel each other so that we know that we're all supported, you know, in, in this journey together. Absolutely. It's extremely important. Um, you talked a little bit about stereotypes. Um, so in any circumstance, we probably all have, have had moments where someone has said, this doesn't seem right, or I feel like this is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so what is what are some pieces of advice that you can give women who go into, you know, delivering and an after delivery um, to kind of 
encourage them to speak up? What's some um, pieces of information you can give them? You know, it starts. It starts with when you find out that you're pregnant. You know, and, and doing the research. That's what it really kind of boils down to. Doing when I say doing the research, I mean understanding what the cesarean section rates are within the hospitals that are you know close to you. Like researching that. Research and understanding what your birthing options are. You don't have to go to a hospital to birth. You don't necessarily have to go. You can have a at-home birth. You can have a birth at a birthing center. You can have a birth at a birth at a hospital, but also have a water birth at a hospital, right? You can have a midwife. You can have a doula. You know, and understanding all of these nuances to basically give you the support that you specifically need. And, you know, thinking not even this, I even want to say out the box, because this is something that, you know, we as a people, black and brown people have been doing for centuries. It is essentially these last couple of decades or, or centuries that, you know, this at home, or excuse me, um, at a hospital birth has been promoted. And then on top of that, like, you know, the cesarean sections or C-sections that women are getting are just so high nowadays. This is not this is not how we came into the world, you know, but this is what it is now because of, again, the monetary piece that's attached to it. So I just said a lot, but again, the rundown is, you know, know your birthing options, you know, make sure that you are, are telling your family what your needs and how you want to be supported are regardless of what they think that you should have. Um, and then knowing that you can have different types of, of, of births looking for a midwife, a doula, or somebody who, one, has your, 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 your needs in mind, your best needs in mind, but also knows the information, knows the signs and what to look for are the ways that you can be supported in helping you through your, your gestation process. But it's, it starts with the research. Okay. Well, I, I know you got to mm -hmm. go. You know, you to end our interview with you, can you tell us um, about, you know, the foundations? We saw on the documentary that um, you guys were putting uh, your putting your efforts into creating, I guess, the birthing centers. Mm -hmm. um, so can you talk to us about those as well as anything that you have, the brotherhood that has been created, like any information you can give on what we're doing now to help this? Yeah, definitely. So... Right now, again, we, we really want the film to be a conduit for conversation. You know, like the film, of course, we take donations and all that great stuff for our foundation in order to create programming and supports for families. But when it all comes down to it, we need people to watch the film and then to talk about them, right? And talk about, talk about them in order to start the unpacking process. Um, for us, though, we are not... My foundation is the Aria Foundation. I co-founded it with Shamani's mother, Shawnee Gibson. And the Aria Foundation stands for the advancement of reproductive innovation through artistry and healing. So what we do is we use art as a conduit to have conversations and to create spaces to talk about maternal mortality and maternal morbidity um, in places where the conversations weren't being had. So for what we're doing, like I'm working with some you know, things are in the works right now, so I don't want to necessarily, I'm speaking it into existence and it is happening, but I can't necessarily talk about all the things that are happening, you know, but 
but working with some like some really dope organizations, some really dope politicians to be able to um, use art as a conduit to as a bigger conduit to have the conversations on maternal mortality and, and grief and, you know, um, support and community. And we're doing it with, you know, some really dope museums. We're going to have some awesome council people come through and and have and create legislation in order to prevent, you know, families from having to go through the hardships that our family went through. You know, as far as the birthing centers, though, that is being um, really it's an undertaking that um, my man Bruce McIntyre is 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 on. So Bruce McIntyre lost his partner Amber Isaac Rose. Uh, I want to say a couple of months, if not a year, after we lost Shimani. And he has an organization, a foundation called Save a Rose. And Save mm. a Rose, what they're doing is that they're really creating pathways through legislation and then through just, you know, work that he's doing in community in order to provide families with information about midwifery, dualship services, and then also how to combat um, systemic racism. And so what he is doing is he's really trying to bring a birth center to the Bronx. And... Um, through that, he is definitely receiving some pushback and, you know, he's got to jump through hoops to get it done. But his goal is to get it done and he's really making it happen. So um, in the meantime, though, he has a, um, this thing that he's working on called the Womb Bus. And what Womb Bus is essentially is a van that he and his um, midwives and doulas that he's partnering with driving around underserved communities to provide information, um, give women and families a knowledge about what midwifery services and doulas, doulas look like, um, and then also doing activities and stuff like that to, you know, help create one different conversations in the community, but also to bring the community together to actually, so people can actually, you know, know who people are and, you know, where, where to find these um, organizations and, and the information. Um, so that's, that's on his side. And then for the ARIA Foundation, some of the undertakings that we're doing is one, again, using art as a conduit for education. Um, but what we're also doing is we're creating a men's group. And within these men's group is to bring men who have suffered loss in the way that I have and Bruce has in order to, you know, be able to talk to, to men who've gone through the same thing and, and provide, you know, safe, safe space for them to learn and then to grow from their lived experience. Um, and then we're also creating um, what's going to be called PAW. So PAW is a postpartum awareness week. Mm. And that's going to be launching in May of 2023. And you alluded to it earlier. You know, the postpartum period is, is one, is it's that point in time where we see the most, our greatest or biggest demise for women losing their life after giving birth to their children. Um, and, you know, Shawnee talks about it a lot, how when women give birth, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you open up a candy wrapper and the, you know, the, the child is the candy and, you know, you just kind of throw away the wrapper, which is, you know, the woman who give birth to that, to that child. And, you know, she is not provided the proper supports she needs in order to fortify, refortify her body one physically, and then also to the support that needs that she needs in order to, really be able to take care of this new baby and bring both of them into this world in a way that is is that they're able to be stronger you know after birth 
you know, so the postpartum awareness week is something that we are really looking forward to um, and, and being able to really show the community how and what it looks like for women to get the, the services that they need and how the community can support that. Wow, that's all amazing. I, I I love it. And and I a lot of this stuff I haven't even like not stuff, but the things that you are creating. Um, I haven't we haven't even, I don't I haven't heard of it, Cabri. I don't know about you. Never have I ever. <laughs> and we had our children fairly young. So <laughs> yeah. But I love yeah. all of the also's. Like you, you guys just you kept going with your initiatives. It didn't stop with one thing. You guys are trying to tackle everything under this umbrella and kudos to y'all whatever we can do to support to encourage whatever that looks like we i'm sure i can speak for nicole when i say you have our support you have our encouragement we would love to collaborate come to new you guys are based in new york correct yeah we're in new york yep we're mm -hmm. only four and a half hours away. We do not mind drop jumping in the car and road tripping for the weekend. <laughs> so awesome. whatever we can do to partner, to connect, to collaborate, yeah. we're willing. Right, because we yeah. gotta. This is for like the next generation. These are our children. Our children are about to go through mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love Excuse it. me. And that that is like that is, you know, on top of mind. Like you know, like. It is important for us to know the information and, and, you know, rally and do the things and, you know, show our support and really figure it out. But in all honesty, you know, we are past those stages, right? We've already, already given birth, already made the decision not to necessarily have a child, you know, but um, this is really a re-education. So it is for us, but essentially this is, you know, for Anari and Kari and, you know, my oldest son, Uriah, and all the, you know, teenagers and, you know, younger coming up in this world and really trying to change the landscape of what it looks like to give birth for them. Um, so all the initiatives that we have are to cover all these age ranges, right? And I even talk about some, I'm in the process of writing a children's book as well for, you know, kids to understand what grief looks like and how they are able to still be able to communicate and have a relationship with their mother or their loved one who maybe they have lost at a younger age because the you know the relationship never stops it's just it's just a change in, in energy and understanding right yeah. so again all of these things are to make sure that you know we all have support from from you know infant to you know to adulthood and um once all these things are done and not even done, but are in motion, there's going to be even more to come. So yes. we're all looking forward to it. Yes. Well, kudos I, to you guys. Yes. Thank thank you. Thank you so much for taking yes. the time to talk, and talk to us today and give us, drop all these beautiful jewels. We wish you guys nothing but success. We're giving all positive energy and love and everything that you're manifesting and everything that you are doing. Um, that like, like it's amazing. And like Cabri said, we are here. Um, we're gonna keep an eye out on what you got going on. I know you're busy, so hopefully we'll see something that we can come to <laughs> and support. Yeah, and definitely. Um, the next thing that I have going on, like, because you also need parts of your life that are not rooted in things that are just so heavy right as well yeah. so 
Um, I'm having an art show. I do an art show every other month. And uh, my next art show that's coming up is going to be on October 9th. It's going to be from 3 to 7 p.m. October 9th is a Sunday. It's going to be at um, 1012 Fulton Street. So I'm essentially working on creating a collective of artists in order to, you know, be able to show local artists' work and then can create a family around, you know, what art and all the healing processes and what art does for us, right? So that is definitely happening in October. And then um, December, so December 19th is Shimani's birthday. And every year we have our event that is called Aftershock. That's the way that, that's where the name of the film stems from. And with Aftershock, it's, um, it's gonna be a virtual component on the 19th. And on the 18th, we're having a, a gala. Um, but what Aftershock essentially is, is using art and workshops and dialogue and community in order to have a conversation around maternal mortality and what we can do as individuals when we come together to really create change. Um, but do it in a dope way that, you know, it's fun and, and you enjoy it. And, you know, visually it's amazing, spiritually it's amazing, emotionally it takes you through all the, the things that we all need to be taken through. So um, that's gonna be on December 19th. And just, you know, we'll, we'll be posting all this information too. So just look out for us. Okay, yeah. definitely, definitely. Well, thank you again. We're gonna let you go, and um, of course, uh, if you have the opportunity to check us out, we're going to post, uh, of course, to our website, and uh, the interview will be on Apple and Spotify. Awesome, thank you. And I just want to leave my handles too, so that you know, if anybody else wants to contact us, that would be great too. So my um, personal Instagram is m underscore u underscore z. Um, that's Muzz, and then our organizations. See, my foundation's Instagram is the Aria Foundation. That's A-R-I-A-H Foundation. And then our website is theariafoundation.org. Okay. All right. I'll post those to our, um, when we release this, I'll post it on there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies. I appreciate Thank it. You. We appreciate it as well. Have a great week, great events, great everything. Yes, you too. I hope to see y'all soon. Yeah, oh, you will. Trust me. <laughs> All right. You're going to be there. <laughs> All right, dope. Have a good one. All right, peace. Bye. <laughs>